last week we were on vacation with our children. We try to do this every summer, get a week and pull them together, which gets harder every year with their work schedules. Matter of fact, they were kind of staggered this, this past week. But when we did get them together, I got to experience one of my joys that is at this stage of my life is watching my children become adults. You know what I'm talking about? Seeing them take on those, those uh, parenting kind of things. My daughter, Kelsey, she's got a four-year-old and a seven-month-old. And she parents so much better than I ever did, let me tell you. She uh, had three years of training uh, in a charter school in inner city Indianapolis. She's had lots of behavior modification. But still, no matter how she gets it, it's just a joy for me to listen to her speak to her children in such positive ways. I'll hear her say things like, I like how well you listen to the instructions I gave you. Or, or she'll say, thank you for being patient while I was changing Fletcher's diaper. And even when Cohen, the four-year-old, has one of those meltdowns, which they do from time to time, she'll say, Cohen, use your words, use your words. Well, something about being around that helped me see this scripture in a new light. When I, I came to research this passage, I have to confess, I wasn't too excited about this passage. Because whenever I read it, usually when I read it, a little bit of guilt creeps in. I start thinking about how often I don't pray. Or do I always make sure I, I pray well and, and in the right spirit? It makes me think about when I'm fasting, times that I do fast. Sometimes even when I fast well, a little bit of pride keeps in that I've accomplished something instead of seeing it as that opportunity to get closer to God. And even when I give, you know, there's always a certain amount of mixed motives when you give. I try to do it in faithfulness and make sure that I'm doing it for God, but still, you like to see results, don't you? You want to make sure your money's making a difference when you put it in. So for me, reading this passage, I tend to think about how far short I fall from God's expectations of me. But then I realized something, thinking about what my daughter was doing in her positive way relating to her children, that, that God's really trying to do the same thing through Jesus in this Sermon on the Mount. I made the connection I've been trying to tell you all summer that Jesus is speaking most in context to a people who were in need of good news. The people on that hill that he's speaking to were desperately seeking some good news. And so Jesus is not reprimanding them. The tone of voice that he shares is not a scolding. It's a warning because of care and compassion for them. You see, in their day, they thought that the Pharisees were the uber-righteous of their time. They were the people they looked up to. The, the Pharisees knew all the rules and even made some of the rules. And it got to the point that the Jewish law, the Torah law, had become such a burden for them to carry. Instead of it being that joyous obedience, opportunity to serve God. And so Jesus is trying to tell that people gathered on the hill that that, that righteousness of the Pharisees that you think is the it, the be all, is not. That's not what I want you to be. And he gives some examples. Very real life examples for them in their day. He talks about blowing your trumpets. We, we know that likely what he's referring to is in the temple, they had these boxes. They were called shofar chest or offering chest. And they'd have a box, but then out of that box would be 
kind of a flute-looking thing, kind of a, like the bell of a trumpet that would be narrow at the bottom and wide at the top. It facilitated collecting the coins that would be tossed by as they walked by quickly, but narrow enough that you can't reach down and take any out. Let's try those for offerings, huh? <laughs> and when Jesus says trumpeting their offering, he's talking about the noise that it creates when they throw their coins in to draw attention to themselves. And then Jesus talks about praying in the synagogue or standing on the street corners. And that's a strange combination, isn't it? I mean, for one thing, the synagogue was their church. You think that's the appropriate place to pray. But then what's this praying on the streets? Well, we know what Jesus is talking about there is the fact that the typical Jew of that day would pray three times a day. They would recite prayers. These prayers would typically be memorized psalms, like Psalm 55, for example. And here's an example of that praying three times. It says, but I call out to God, and the Lord will rescue me. And evening, morning, and midday, I complain and moan so that God will hear me. And then there's another example from the book of Daniel, who says he prayed three times a day. That seemed to be the common practice for the Jewish people of Jesus' day. And when they recited their prayers, they would either pray a memorized psalm, or they would pray what was called the Amidah, or the 18 benedictions or blessings. And they would combine that with the Shema, the hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. Or they would combine it with the Ten Commandments and recite those. And of course, the Pharisees would recite them very well. And so to recite them three times, remember the Jewish day started in the evening. So they would do them before they went to bed. And then when they got up in the morning... And then during the day, the typical pattern was at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they would stop what they're doing, and wherever they are, they would recite the prayers. And what Jesus is trying to point out to them is that the Pharisees, they always like to make sure they show up at the synagogue just to write about that time, a very public place for all to see them recite the prayers and recite them so well. Or they just stop right where they are in the street corners so that people could see them. And Jesus is saying to those that have control of their schedule, go home, go find your closet and pray because the purpose of prayer is to connect with God, not to impress others. And then he mentions the example of fasting. And he complains about how the Pharisees tend to distort their faces. They want everyone to know how much they're suffering from their fasting. But, but let me tell you about that fasting. We know it was common practice for faithful Jews to fast every Monday and every Thursday. But for them, it started again in the evening. So they'd eat their evening meal, and then they would not eat during the day. So at what we might consider breakfast and the noontime meal, they would skip those two. Now, if you've participated in our two-meal fast that we've encouraged you during the season of Lent, you know that about the worst that's going to happen is you're going to get a little hangry when it comes time for that that evening meal, but you're not going to die from it. So the Pharisees were making this big deal about their fasting to something really not that big a deal. Jesus says when they make a show in that way, they are getting already the reward that they're going to get. All these are examples that Jesus puts out to us. Now, this word hypocrite, it's kind of a buzzword today, isn't it? If you talk to somebody who chooses not to go to church, you'll often hear them say the reason they don't go to church 
is because either they don't want to be a hypocrite, they don't want to go to church and claim to be something they're not, or they'll complain about all the hypocrites that they know go to church. None of you, of course. But I want you to know that's really not, and the reason they lift it up is they say, well, they profess on Sunday one thing, and then they go and do something else the rest of the week. Well, that's really not a great definition of a hypocrite. Because the reality is all of us, whether we're a professing Christian or not, don't live up to our ideals. We all fall short. We all know that we're sinners. Even Paul says in Romans seven nineteen, I don't do the good that I want to do, but I do the evil that I don't want to do. That's not hypocrisy. That's just being human. Jesus' message is that being a hypocrite is something much, much different. You see, in Jesus' day, actually, the word hypocrite was not a bad word, not anything like it is today. Matter of fact, Matthew has borrowed it from Greek culture and seems to be a reference to the Greek theater because the people who acted and wore a mask, a real physical mask, and pretended to be somebody else portraying another person, those were called hypocrites. So what Jesus is trying to say, it's not that we fall short of what we claim to believe, it's simply saying, don't be a fake. Don't try to be somebody that you're not. Be who you are. So please don't let the fear of being a hypocrite keep you from church. None of us are 100% consistent in living out our faith. And the solution is not avoiding spiritual practices. It's just trying to do them for the right reasons. Focusing on God and not trying to impress others. Jesus even really offers us an antidote to hypocrisy. He contrasts the prayer that they saw being lived around them in the Gentiles and now seem to be adopted now by the Pharisees. And he says to them in Matthew 6, 7, when you pray, don't pour out a flood of empty words as the Gentiles do. They think by saying many words, they will be heard. Jesus is actually kind of making fun of the Gentile world because remember, they believed in many gods. When they prayed, many times they're not even sure exactly who they're praying to. The gods were fickle. And so their prayers would often be long, full of adjectives, trying to capture just the right thing to try and impress one of the gods. And often they fell short. They tried complicated magic words as formulas repeated over and over. And there was always a certain amount of anxiety trying to persuade. There was a note of uncertainty whenever they prayed. Because remember, if you know your Greek mythology, these gods were not reliable and they were often easily offended. Contrast that to the prayer that he gave to us. Would you recite with me the prayer that's Matthew's version that we share today? Join with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. 
Now, we don't have time today to break this down phrase by phrase, and we don't even really need to. Just stop and consider. Just pull back and look at this prayer as a whole and contrast it to those long, lengthy, elaborate prayers said by the Gentiles that Jesus is referring to. And think about the difference. First of all, who's the God we're praying to? We're praying to one God, Lord of all, and not a God who's fickle, who's unconcerned, but a God who's described as Father, as Abba, one who's already on our side and wants what is best for us. Notice how short and concise this prayer is. It gets right to the point. It says that the nitty-gritty very quickly. And then notice how there is a vertical and a horizontal dimension to our prayers. It's not just about trying to connect with God. It's making sure that when we do, that what God does helps us live out into all of our relationships to love as he loves. And notice the emphasis on forgiveness. Relationships take a lot of forgiveness, don't they? So the point is, nobody wants to be a hypocrite. And the best way to avoid being one is simply knowing and embracing the God Jesus presents to us. When you truly know God, you don't need to impress anyone. You don't need the approval of others. You'll be motivated to pray, give, and fast for the right reasons. Let us pray. Lord, we place ourselves into your hands. Help us to be the person you call us to be. May we be transparent in all of our relationships, be honest in who we are and where we fall down and where we strive to be. Help others see in us a light to be followed. You call us to be that salt and light, to be those chosen people. Help us to live into that as fully as we can. We pray for those who've been burned, who have seen someone who's not lived out what they profess to believe. Help them to look beyond that and see your spirit that's in each and every person and in this world in so many ways to find the hope and light that you offer. This is our prayer in this day through Christ who is our Lord. Amen.